Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start, Start saving, saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Greta Rothman of Twinsburg, Ohio. Greta will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoy and Jake Anthony, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspire their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit, Season 10, Episode 16, Ballerina. Brody said that she only had a talent for attracting bad men. Well, it looks like she had another one, getting rid of them. So we're thinking Black Widow. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcasts, Rebecca Lavoy. Hello, Rebecca. Thanks for having me, Kevin. And rounding out our panel is our special guest from the Reality Gaze podcast. It's Jake Anthony Poodle. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be here talking about a show that is literally my drug. <laughs> Maybe not literally, because I've done enough drugs to know... What an actual I, drug is, yeah. but yeah. 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 <laughs> well, Twitter like demanded that we get together, and so Twitter spoke. <laughs> Here we we did it, and whatever Twitter does, we we must. I I I think it's because I've referenced. I've re- I know I've referenced a lot of Law and Order shows, and I've actually written. This is weird. I've actually written a Law and Order musical, <laughs> but it was only like twenty minutes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It, it was it was it's it was just ridiculous, and we had a lot of fun with doing the procedural element of it all. And was it a musical? Yeah, it Did, was. Well, it was like twenty minutes. It was a quick, <laughs> quick and funny musical. What was the the love ballad? What was it called? <laughs> you know, there wasn't there wasn't there wasn't really a love ballad, but there was a great song called um, where the all where they were interviewing all the people. Who had saw the crime? And they're like, but you know, I can't really handle this right now because I gotta go. Uh, I gotta go do something else. Yes, because everyone is always <laughs> too busy to help in New York. <laughs> I gotta move a box. <laughs> and there was like a kid, and the kid in the candy store said, "Hey there, officer. You know." And they're like, "Sorry, I gotta go play stickball." You know? <laughs> and so, and there was, there was a song that the district attorney sang that was like. We got to get this guy. Our numbers are down. Yeah. And it was just this whole song about our numbers and our things are down. And it was, there was an interrogation song, a good cop, bad cop song. It was fun. It was a fun show. Jake, of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite law and order detective team. Um, It's Stabler, Benson and Stabler. 
because yeah. uh, Mariska Hargiste for me can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I also have lots of very intricate sexual fantasies about Christopher Maloney. Wow. Um, Tell yeah. us everything. No, I'm just kidding. Not everything. Hey, they're intricate. <laughs> uh, how long you got? And this will be not just an explicit. <laughs> this will be like this can't be heard by anybody. <laughs> Jake, who's your favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. Oh, this is tough. Tough. I will always have a soft spot for Sam Waterston mm-hmm. in in any form or fashion. Um, as far as team goes, uh, I've I've been a fan of uh, Casey Novak mm. for a yeah. long time. I love her. I love her kind of caring mentality, but I love her toughness. And weirdly, my my favorite to be kind of funny, who was kind of the best actor on the show, was Christine Lottie. Hmm. Remember when Christine oh. Lottie was on for a while? She had, she had a problem with alcohol. <laughs> and they, spoiler alert, they murdered her because she was just like there because maybe she, her husband didn't pay her child support for those like couple of months. And she's like, yeah, I need some, I need to go to Ibiza. <laughs> I kind of, I've always had a soft spot for Carisi too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now that he's the DA, I love that actor. He's come so far and you, I love when, when you can see a team of writers in production write for an actor they really like. Yep. And I and I I love how he's actually a theater actor, and he know we have mutual friends in common. And I said, "How is this guy?" And he's like, "Oh, he's so wonderful. Mm. He's the the sweetest guy in the world." So that's a good thing to know. Have they seen the, him with the mustache are... though? <laughs> <sighs> it's not my favorite. <laughs> now let's look at the first half of this episode, SVU season ten, episode sixteen, ballerina. Boy, it really sucks when you threaten your no-good roommate with a butcher knife only to have a bullet from a neighboring apartment pierce his chest Mm. and cover you with blood. But who needs DNA when the perpetrator left an earprint on the closet mirror? Well, pretty obvious what happened, right? I mean, rape, murder, suicide, bing, bang, bong. Dale, thanks. I think we got it from here. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I overheard the neighbor saying that he saw Mr. Reyes, that's our male deceased, and Miss Flores, the one on the bed, coming home earlier. So uh, I'm thinking that they went out, had a few too many, came home, argued. Uh, he attacked her, killed her, realized what he's done, offed himself. You got it all figured out, don't you? Some cases solved themselves, right? Hey, what now? We all going to Disneyland? Tisa, the dead woman next door, worked in a building owned by a former dancer and elderly bon vivant, Bertie Sullaway. She's living on Park Avenue with her greasy fifth husband, Marv, and her extremely <laughs> awkward 30-something nephew and martini mixer, Chet. The building in question had once been Bertie's dance studio, and she asked Marv to purchase it, but Marv's not telling her that the property is now a strip club featuring tiki torches and Hasidic Jews. <laughs> Tisa's favorite club goer was Diddler on the Roof Ephraim Iskowitz. That's inspired. Yeah, thank That's you. inspired. Benson and Stabler accuse him of being jealous of Tisa's boyfriend, but Ephraim says it's Marv who's been putting the moves on her. Bertie drops by SVU offering to write a check and pay for Tisa's funeral. Among the tea she spills is that Chet is actually the orphan child of a friend who's been her lifelong companion, and all of her other husbands were no good dudes who died before their time. Bertie leaves behind a fountain pen that Marv's been chewing on like a dog toy. The detectives test it, and the DNA on the pen matches that found at the crime scene. 
Before Olivia and Elliot can arrest Marv, he jumps from the penthouse window, but the position of the fingerprints on the frame show Marv had his back to the open window, and their suicide was likely a murder. Bing, bang, bong. (laughs) Bing, bang, bong. So this is season 10, and it's full of campy absurdism, (laughs) thanks to producer Speedweed. This This is a season where we had... The dog ate the tampon. Speedweed. Best season. Yeah. Best season, yep. yeah. Yeah, we had, you know, I didn't stab the captain with the pickle. Yep. The dog <gasps> ate the tampon. Oh, right. The monkey in the basketball. Best. The tiger eats the rapper got's money. Yep. It just it's just That's crazy right. shit, this right? It's all such a crazy season. It is. It's insane. There should be posters, like commemorative <laughs> posters. <gasps> we want we need to decorate your office, right? This yeah. is what we're going to do. Oh my god. <laughs> uh so there's a completely goofy way to start this episode. Kevin finds couch surfing stand watching his pay-per-view and he threatens him with a butcher knife only to have a stray bullet go right through his chest. Get your ass out that door, Stan. Hole in pieces. It's your choice. I said I ain't going... You shot me? How? You think... Do you think the guy put the knife away before calling the cops? <laughs> just kind of like, oh man, this is going to look really bad. It, it does seem like that there are always two casts... Uh, from an episode where it's a misdirection like this, that these two actors needed to be done a favor yeah. by someone, and they're all they're always they're never really good. They're just there to kind of act really surprised or or to and they're just kind of sacrificial lambs, hmm. you know, yeah. to to the main. And there were two fake outs this yeah. or almost three. Yeah. In this episode. Yeah. Speedway likes to stuff as many scenes into an episode as possible. I believe so. I oh, mean, yeah. It really does seem like the jump cuts. I mean, there were so many yeah. scenes, just like pages and pages and pages of script. The storyboard was like eight rooms that you had to walk through. That's why I love these episodes yeah. so much. And then we get into Sunset Boulevard later. Yeah, totally. We're totally. 100%. <laughs> well, this, as we say, season 10. So this is the first appearance of uber annoying future homicidal crime tech Ugh. Dale Stuckey. Yeah. Not that I don't want to be CSU forever, you know, but uh, hey, don't worry. Not gunning for either of your jobs yet. Right? Right. And so the first forensic piece of evidence we have in this case is an earprint mm. on the mirror. How hard of hearing do you have to be to press your entire ear and not smudge up against the door? It, it does seem like something that was just intentionally weird. Yeah. <laughs> and how stupid do you have to be to think the Hasidic guy did it when there was no curl print next to the ear? I know, right. <laughs> I'm just saying it, right? I'm still dying. As soon as she said diddler on the roof, I was like, who can the the creepies, the creepers, the penguins, the penguins. That's where I went. Oh, so by the way, I guess they kept calling this a double homicide. I guess Stan pulled through. No, I don't think Stan matters. Stan doesn't matter. Well, they like when did they keep? I don't think it was a double homicide plus a dead guy next door. He He must have been. He doesn't count. If you look at the opening like um, thing when you go to the Hulu thing and Mm -hmm. it describes the episodes, it says. Three dead people. Yeah. <laughs> but they keep going, well, it was two guys, two deaths and a rape. Stan doesn't matter. He doesn't matter. And Stan was just a collateral damage. They they didn't even, he's not even credited, that actor. That's right. <laughs> I don't want to victim blame, but Stan had it fucking coming. As Stucky says, this yeah. apartment is where the real action happened. <laughs> We've all had that roommate 
uh, who we all wanted dead. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah. Just waiting for somebody next door with bad aim. Mm. <laughs> so when a woman is part of a double, maybe triple, homicide, usually Benson and Stabler will talk to family and friends and coworkers nope. and her boss. Nope. But not make a beeline for the person who owns the building in which she works. <laughs> you know, it just did seem like, well, how are we gonna how are we gonna get to the big story? Yeah. Let's let's quickly run our way through the insignificant people who were murdered to get to the big story. Finn's apparently got the situation sized up. He says that the former ballet studio, now strip club. It's sold in 07, so no more tutus. Now it's tequila and tongue jobs. Perfect. Sweet wisdom from Finn. Yeah, nice job with the alliteration, bad job with the visual. <laughs> he always gets the lines where he has to either explain something or, and it's always done in such a way, or he gets a question, it's like, wait a minute, what does this mean? What is a blood transfusion? <laughs> and, it gives, and it gives the cast member, an, a, like, who has somebody's like, that's, that's messed up. Yes. And... <laughs> yeah. Poor Ice-T. That's always his job. He's either exposition, <laughs> expert, or alliteration. That yeah. is his yes. job. Yeah. Also, though, you have to give them credit for not taking the opportunity to be as anti-Semitic as they could be in this episode. <laughs> oh. I mean, sure. first We're of all... We're getting into that, yes. <laughs> I mean, it did seem like it was going there. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, yeah. I was like... they. I mean, the rushing to the building owner did give them, like... A way out right. of that opportunity. Right. <laughs> it is. It is true. I. I was just glad there wasn't more penguinito jokes. Uh, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I, I could have used a couple. More. <laughs> yeah. Lisa kept having problems with this one penguinito. Little penguin. Juice. Black pants. White shirt. Orthodox. Gotcha. I call over there the South Pole because that's where the penguinitos hang out. And talk about the rogues gallery of Orthodox guys over there. <laughs> yeah. Those, those guys look like you could have picked them out of any sex offender catalog <laughs> right. just over there. They go to the joint and it's a Hawaiian themed strip club. Yes. There are grass huts and dancers and topical tops and well, yeah, and lays and grass skirts. This club has everything. What the theme of a strip <laughs> club is strip club. No, not this time. Not this uh, time. It, it did seem like a hat on a hat. There was, yeah. there was <laughs> a lay on a lay, if you will. Yeah. There was too much going on. Yeah. There, I, I, I actually wrote that down. I said, this whole scene in this club is chaotic. Mm. I don't even know. Where does anyone know where to look? Yeah. Everything is, there's too many colors. You can't look at the women but we don't see any women dancing. <laughs> women dance with men, but they're in Hawaiian costumes. Yeah. <laughs> they're dressed like hula dancers. Mm, yes. So yeah. they should be doing something. Yes. Like, at least give me a coconut bra. Yeah. But here's the whole thing. Like, everybody who works there is supposedly Latina, right? Yeah. And they're appropriating Polynesian culture. <laughs> Yeah. What the hell is going on? Who came up with strange. this idea? And then that's where the Orthodox men want to go. I tell you, if what I, the hell is going on? What the hell is going on? I tell you, if I go to a strip club and I see a bunch of Hasidim, I'm like, I'm in the wrong fucking club. Yeah. How sexy is this going to be in here? <laughs> Why is it so quiet in here tonight? It's the Sabbath. <laughs> So when they grab up Ephraim, though, Stabler pulls out the print. And he goes, what is that? Don't touch me. Shh. All right. You don't want to show us your ear? We'll take it downtown. Ah, you don't want to show us your ear, huh? <laughs> <laughs> 
literally what those things are for, Stabler. Yeah. Literally. Uh, no, okay. We'll get you back to the station. We'll see what fucking ear you have, <laughs> buddy. Do you put it through aphis or codis or whatever? Oh, God. Earphis. Earphis. There we go. Let's take a look at the cast. It's our very special guest star. Is Carol Burnett. She's playing Bertie Sullaway. Who's a dancer, a singer, a little cabaret here and there. Then when I found out that they were going to sell my old building, I asked my husband to buy it for me. Probably best known for The Carol Burnett Show. She has six Emmys, seven Golden Globes, one Grammy, one Tony, and she received an Emmy nomination for this guest performance. Yes. She lost to Ellen Burstyn, who won playing Elliot's mother. In an earlier episode, yes. oh, she but but Ellen Burstyn was so good. I'm just so happy those. an SVU person won. I'm just yeah. so every time I hear an SVU person won an Emmy, I'm like, yeah, they did. I forget the yeah. actress, but the, out of the five nominated that year, three were SVU guest appearances. Wow. Yeah. And let's not forget one unforgettable season of Mama's Family. Yeah, <laughs> <Carol Burnett> gave us. <laughs> Yes, she was out for the rest of the time because of, 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 of disputes with, I think her husband had disputes after they did the four other seasons without her. Yep. But for one season, Eunice ruled. Mm. That's me being so gay that I know everything about Mama's family. <laughs> Can we talk about Carol Burnett show for a second? Uh, of course. It has, oh, in my mind, the best one-liner ever on television, and it was, tell me if you guys remember this, the time when they were doing a takeoff on Gone with the Wind. Of course. Oh, yeah. And she was Scarlett O'Hara. For those who don't remember, this is a scene where in the movie, Scarlett takes the curtains out of the window to make a dress yes. for Brett. And so when Carol does it, she comes out and it still has the curtain rod through the yes. shoulders. <laughs> and Brett says, Scarlett, I love you. That, that, that gown is gorgeous. And she says, Thank you. I saw it in the window and I just couldn't resist it. <laughs> and that has Perfect. the longest sustained applause of any joke in television history. I would agree oh, with that. Live studio audience that show was, you know, yeah. was freaking oh. amazing. In 1981, Carol successfully sued the National Enquirer, which printed that she got into a drunken argument with Secretary of State Henry Kissinger in an expensive Washington restaurant. That is a weird fucking argument. I, I'm sure it's true, and I'm glad she successfully sued them anyway. <laughs> yeah, she, she, wants, she said she was motivated in part because her parents were really bad alcoholics, and that's why she famously grew up with her grandmother. Oh, oh. Yeah. So she didn't dispute the argument. She disputed that she was drunk. Well, <laughs> love it. Be, I don't I don't know what the argument was. Other than, I love it. She's like, I oh, yeah, I fucking argue with Henry Kissinger, but I wasn't drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like any of his policies, but I hadn't had a drop. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <Ms. Burnett. laughs> uh, in 2019 at the Golden Globes, Carol Burnett won the Carol Burnett Award. Which kind of makes sense, I'd say, right? She should get an award every year, as far as I'm concerned. Well, they keep giving it. And she's like, how how come I didn't get it this year, too? Uh, The Carol Burnett Award is a Life Achievement Award for television. In this house, Kevin Flynn won the Kevin Flynn Award. And it's a Lifetime Achievement Award (laughs) of watching television. Yes, yes. Yes. Named after you, and you win it all the time. I go all the time. I just got to get a trophy. We do have some repeat offenders this episode. Repeat offender. We see Vincent 
Curatola as Marv. Uh, the old queen who ran it couldn't pay the rent. I mean, I'm not running the damn charity. The Soprano star later had a recurring role as an SVU judge. There's Noel Fisher playing the exquisitely annoying Stucky. The uh, bullet went through the wall, killed the guy next door. Cool, huh? And Erica Bradshaw is the arraignment clerk. Docket ending 6126. People of the state of New York versus Bridget Sullaway. Remember, she was the one, she and her wife sued New Jersey to bring gay marriage to the Garden oh, State. Yeah. yeah, I think I remember that, yeah. Uh, but we Good do have that. a Hey, It's That Guy. Mm. Hey, it's... That guy. Who is playing Bertie's creepy nephew, Chet? Come on. Matthew Lillard. He seems normal to me. He came home. He took his martini and he went into the office and I assumed that he was doing what he always does. Surf porn. As part of the early aughts brat pack, Matthew Lillard, yes. a.k.a. Shaggy, a.k.a. Scream, a.k.a. everything of the early aughts. Yeah. One of my favorite early aughts actors. He's one of, he has one of the best roles in Serial Mom, John Waters' big studio movie with Kathleen Turner and uh, Sam Waterson, strange, strangely enough. Mm. He made it big right as the killer in Scream and was the perfect choice to play Shaggy in the live-action Scooby-Doo. He's currently playing... Uh, Christina Hendricks' husband in Good Girls on NBC, yes. And after Casey Kasem retired the role in 2009, Matthew became the official voice of Shaggy in the cartoons as well. Really? Yeah. I think he saw this as his chance to go full method and do something he'd never done before, and he achieved it. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, yeah, he's doing all the cartoons. These include such titles as... Uh, Scooby-Doo, Frank and Creepy, mm-hmm. Abracadabra-Doo, Lego Scooby-Doo, Blowout Beach Bash, and Scooby-Doo, The Sword and the Scoob. Where does one watch these cartoons? Things I never needed to know. Yeah. <laughs> Lego Scooby-Doo. Well, you can laugh, but you got a lot of Scooby snacks out of this role, apparently. <laughs> That's true. He's, he's counting his money. He's counting his Scooby snacks. Uh, we have a Hey, It's That Girl. Hey, it's that girl. Do you recognize the judge... Judge Andrews, do you know the actress playing her? Oh, I've seen her in gajillion things. Oh, yeah. She's like she's like discount mom from E.T., but not mom from E.T. Right. Convince the jury, Mr. Stanich, not this courtroom. I'll allow the defense. Miss Cabot, fire up your shrink. Right, that's Academy Award nominee Lindsay Krauss. Ten Law & Order Universe appearances, nine as a judge, seven in this as a judge, she was in Slapshot, All the President's Men, and got an Oscar nom for Places in the Heart. Oh. What else? She was in Prince of the City with Jerry Orbach and was married to playwright and director David Mamet. Really? Oh. I mean, I don't. I would never judge somebody by the quality of their spouse, but... She's seen some shit. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. a, that, she's got some stories. Well, <laughs> well yeah. <laughs> and all of them have to be bleeped. <laughs> so her daughter is... Uh, Zosha Mamet. Yes. Zosha Mamet. From Girls and the Flight Attendant. Uh, she basically had came from a show business family from way back. Her grandfather was the first president of Juilliard. Her name is Lindsay Ann Krause. And it was a nod to her father and his writing partner. They were Lindsay and Krause. Huh. Uh, huh. And they wrote much of The Sound of Music. Wow. Yes. they. Yeah, that's true. They wrote the book for it. Yep. And she also has the best line in this episode. Which is? Fire up your psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> it was a strangely very informal way Amazing. to say that. Or, no, I think it was even fire up your shrink. <laughs> <I think> she- <laughs> <laughs> Bullish string. 
And also, who's playing Birdie's attorney? Dwight Stanich. Uh, Bob Klein, Robert Klein. We'll pursue an affirmative defense, Your Honor. Extreme emotional disturbance. In addition to murdering two people, Mrs. Soloway's husband tormented her physically and mentally. Comedian Robert Klein. Yeah. Five Law & Order appearances for as this character. I was 100% sure he was dead. <laughs> As of this moment, I am wrong. He's still with us, oh, but for some reason. Do not say that, Kevin. Be, I know, kiss of be death. Be careful. Right? We kill people all the we time on our show. We have a curse on our show. We have a curse. We've killed Jesus. like 20 people. It is not okay. Robert Klein, you've seen him most recently as the mayor of New York City in Sharknado 2, oh. the second one. <laughs> okay. And Sharknado 3, oh hell no. <laughs> the Sharkening. The Sharkening. <laughs> <laughs> So she goes to the police station with her checkbook and says she's going to write a check for right. Tisa's funeral. I understand that poor girl who died was a dancer. She was. I want to pay for her funeral. Uh, Bertie, that really isn't necessary. Oh, yes, it is. Who's she writing that check to? To whom? Is <laughs> <laughs> she writing cash, that check? Cash, obviously. Dear Olivia Benson. For cash. <laughs> here is a check that I shall write to the New York Police Department. That I'd like you to sign over to this poor woman Tisa's family. Do you think she like picked a, a dollar figure and she's like, "Yeah, have an extra special funeral." Twenty-five thousand dollars. <laughs> Who should I write it out to? Stripper's family. <laughs> well, you don't have to be Fred and Velma to know that something is not right with nephew Chet. I know everything about her. I am her soulmate. That's why you're so protective of her. Exactly. So when is the last time that you had to protect her? Oh, that would be two days ago when you and your partner came by. Uh, I'm going to say that we've got a grown man with weird hair and a mustache who just <laughs> makes martinis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a creep creepy 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 mood there is it, is in that it, place. Is it just like the mustache and the weird hair that that all of a sudden we're like there's something off? It is, and then there's the moment where she says, "This is our little piece of heaven," and she just touches his face, <laughs> and you go, "Okay." And I don't know. I don't with with Carol Burnett. Who knows? It was probably an improv at that moment. And she knew she was going to make this about them having a sexual relationship. They never say explicitly that that's what's happening, but we know that's what's happening. Yeah, immediately. They are banging. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I yeah. will say, God love Matthew Lillard for keeping a straight face for this whole episode. I mean, <laughs> maybe there were many takes where he did not. But I, you he know, did like Tim Conway and kept breaking up. Oh my up God, and it was the, incredible. Yeah. But... I don't know about you guys. I don't know if you drink, and I don't want to assume that you do. I do. Yeah, I had a real yeah. hankering for martinis this entire oh, I love a good, episode. I love a good martini. I'm like, yes. I, I want to just turn. It was like, I watched it at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I just want to turn to Kevin and be like, dirty, please. Do you want a, do you want a creepy looking <laughs> incel to bring you your I drink do. to? I would take that. You know. I would, I would, an actual troll bought me a mar- brought me a martini, it'd be fine. Um, <laughs> Anytime any there's, you're serving me grain alcohol, I'm there for it. Well, they pull up in front of the apartment building, about to head up to arrest Marv, and that's when his body plunges from the heavens and lands on a parked car. I can't wait to see the look on this a-hole's face. Do me a favor, let me cuff him. Better yet, let Bertie do it. And I was just waiting for Olivia to say, wow, it's a good thing we didn't park in the loading zone. (laughs) (laughs) Lenny Briscoe would have said that 100%. Oh, I just washed that car. 
So they go up and they find Birdie watching black and white films of her younger self. The best. In a turban. In a turban. In a turban, yes. That's how she retires for the evening. In case you were wondering, yes, that is Carol Burnett and Ken Berry on an old episode of The Carol Burnett Show. But I have to ask Chad, who gets the projector down and sets everything up. When she said. Just digitize this shit, man. <laughs> it did feel like she was just sitting there. It was totally, it was totally like Sunset Boulevard. Uh, mm. She was sitting there just like, uh, like, what's her name? Uh, I'm blanking. What's a Gloria Gar- Swanson. Ga- Thank you. I need to be in gay jail because I could not <laughs> come up with Gloria Swanson. <laughs> Uh, you just think it's the pictures that got small. You can just see it. <laughs> Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Now let's take a look at the second half of this episode. Benson and Stabler have Bertie and Chet come back to SVU to see what each of them knows about Marv. Warner called. Marv's earprint matches the one inside Tisa's closet. Yeah, so he's our killer case closed. Now we have to figure out which one of them is our killer's killer. We bounce between interrogation rooms. We see Chet tell Liv Marv was horrible and he'd do anything for Bertie. Meantime, Bertie tells Elliot that once upon a mattress... She started fucking Chet when he was 18, mm. telling Chet that they're sure to find his fingerprints on Marv's pharmaceutically spiked martini glass. He spills the beans. He says Bertie followed Marv into his office, where the arguing suddenly stopped and he went out the window. At arraignment, Bertie's lawyer says they'll argue extreme emotional distress. That means Juan gets to come in for the evaluation. And after two goddamn minutes with her, seeing her hands quiver and her eyes twitch and being uncomfortable in a government-issued folding chair, she's got cancer and it's the kind that makes you homicidal. (laughs) Wong tells Birdie she only has a couple of months to live, and she becomes wistful about holding dying husband number three, the one she earlier said died after being swept off a boat. And because... They don't feel like they've got enough fucking work to do. Benson and Stapler pull the records on all five of her dead husbands, (laughs) all of whom died under mysterious circumstances. With nothing left to lose, Birdie admits that she dispatched them, but she didn't do it alone. Chet finds Birdie in a hospital bed, and confronted by her mortality, he professes his love by reminding her of all the shitty husbands he killed for her. The cops... Get their arrest, and Birdie gets her revenge on Chet, who double-crossed her in the first place. Okay. Because we all do what we have to. (laughs) (laughs) So, we've got Chet and Birdie showing up at SVU, and who doesn't love the wardrobe choices? Mm. (laughs) This is where where he, where she's got this Chico special on. (laughs) (laughs) And 
and but it's but it's in the it's it's not on the sale rack. This was like a a nice uh, someone from wardrobe grabbed something really nice. Mm-hmm. Chanel knockoff, Chanel Her- Hermes yeah. Chico knockoff. Right. Yeah, he's wearing a fucking ascot, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what took me out. Because also this is day wear, you guys. Mm. To wear an ascot during the day is has not been done. Mm. Ah. Like you just did not do that. And I'm just like, what? Where is this? When is he from? Mm. To and even even like his style of dress, nothing felt. It's like he was he was pieced together Mm. as this. And maybe maybe Birdie made him that way. That is an interesting thought. Yes, she created the man that he. That she always wanted to be, a but because she killed all the others. So he's like the argument against homeschooling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. She's like, I tell you what, Chet, Vincent Price. Now that was a man. <laughs> if you could be more like Vincent Price, that was a man. <laughs> Just as masculine as the day is long. I tell you what, yes. that's your goal. The mustache is like a half an inch longer Vincent than Hitler. Price. Yes. <laughs> Everything's very nice. <laughs> yeah. What follows is one of those scenes where they cut back and forth between the two interrogations. Love it. Since he was the one pouring the drinks, he could have very easily have drugged him with one of those uh, poisons. No, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know if Marv drank last night. Of course Marv drank last night. Marv drank every night. Last night, you laced his glass with tricyclics. I did not. And then over on Stabler's side, he learns that Chet has been getting squirrel from Birdie since he was a young man. Yeah. Is she really not afraid to break a hip? I assume from the ascot that he's a very tender lover myself. (laughs) Oh, you're right. Just... Go down for hours. Yeah. What yeah. else does he have to do? Just the tongue. Just the tongue I mean, job. All yeah. he's got to do is make some martinis. What the fuck else? <laughs> doesn't have to work. <laughs> you know what? You're exactly right. He is tender. That's yeah. exactly the word for it. Yeah. He, uh, like, like Vincent Price was, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they go all clockwork orange on Chet, and he's throwing his clothes and banging his head. <laughs> Kill him! She, she, she killed him! She did it! Chad? Chad, it's okay. It's okay. Calm down. Jake, I can't tell if this is really great acting or really bad acting. I was kind of in the middle. And at at one point, it doesn't even matter. Because when I think about this character, it's not like a real person. Really? And, but because the way he was exactly. And and usually with actors, the goal is to somehow portray a real person. However, I think this is someone who Birdie kind of created. So it does make sense that he would be histrionic mm-hmm. and be like someone he saw in old movies. Oh, yeah. I thought Matthew Lillard really had a good time with doing this and he probably said this uh, no one's going to ever give me something like this to do again i'm like a kind of broish guy and no one is ever going to let me do something so i'm going to run with it i thought he was freaking awesome in this scene and i agree with you he was it was the it wasn't matthew lillard having histrionics it was matthew lillard as chet totally having histrionics it was sort of like um, the Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder, eight layers of <laughs> yeah. black face, yellow face, Boy. whatever. Like it was sort of like that, sort of like through the tunnel of Chet acting. Totally. Yeah. 
But yeah. what, like when he gets to the part where he's crying, but he's oh, amazing. Like, okay, I've I've seen you know male actors cry on this. I just haven't seen them go you know all little league baseball. I loved it. Yeah, he 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 literally was drooling. Yeah, uh, and and it was I, at one moment it could have been funny. Yeah. But yeah. he just kept going. I loved it. So when they said bail for Birdie, uh, she says the thing that only people with money can say. I will not have him argue over money. It's vulgar. I won't argue over money. It's vulgar. Love it. <laughs> she said that and then she turned to Chris Maloney and said, remember that for your next contract negotiation, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Well, here comes Huang, and in two minutes, he knows she's got the rarest of cancers. It just requires a PET scan and all kinds of biopsies, and then he looks at the results and he says, As I suspected, perineoplastic syndrome. Just as I suspected. <laughs> I will say, I always feel bad for B.D. Wong having to play this role where we ha- he has to get us from point B, point A to point B, he always has to be the, the the smart one in the room, but at the same time, he always seems smug. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I feel bad for him having to do it. Uh, so Birdie's going to jail, and she just wants her revenge on Chet, so she invites him to the hospital to say something incriminating. And then there is the briefest of suggestions that they're going to fuck in that hospital bed. <laughs> I, I only wish we had the chance to be together one last time. What do you mean? There's still time. No, 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 darling. Chet was gonna fuck her in that hospital bed. Yeah, if she said go. Didn't you guys get the impression that Chet has never had sex with anybody but her, right? That's what it felt like to me. That's all the sex he's ever had. Chet, could you raise the bed up a little bit? (laughs) (laughs) Kind of looks back over his shoulder like, is the nurse gonna come in? So this raises the question for me, right? Yeah. So she wants him to go down, not that way, the other kind of down. Like she wants him to go down for the killings. Yeah, or both. So why? Both things can be true. So why, when he says she did it, doesn't he just say, no, he did it? It is so much more theatrical this way. (laughs) Okay, so she wanted Um, to be theatrical. That was, okay. Yeah, it was. Check. Okay, question answered. This was not a, Rebecca, this was not a plot issue. This was a, this was a storytelling one. Oh, okay. Yes. We needed to go through all of that. I see, I see, I see. She's not going to get an Emmy nomination for being expedient. Okay, you're right. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. I was not some, taking that into Some 70 year old queen wrote this script <laughs> and just wants another Carol Burnett uh, dramatic TV movie. Yes. And, and, and this, is, this is what he wanted. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, have you ever been in a hospital room? I know yeah. you have. Yeah. Have you ever wanted to have sex in a hospital room? Negative. Like it's the least sexy place in the entire world. I, it is the least sexiest place to me, the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. This let like I would rather have sex anywhere. in a mortuary. I'd rather yeah, have sex in front of your mother than have sex in a hospital room. <laughs> that happened once by accident. <laughs> have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait! You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just forty dollars a month. Everything great about me, but for less money, which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit sling.com to see your offer. Sling. 
Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. All right, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Rip from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Rip from the Headlines. This episode takes cues from the case of Betty Newmar, dubbed the Black Widow Granny. Newmar outlived five husbands in five states over six decades. Her stepson became suspicious after the sudden death of his father, John Newmar. He was the 76-year-old's fifth husband, all of whom died under mysterious circumstances. Her second husband was shot on a New York pier in 1955. Her third husband died of an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound after a marital quarrel in 1967. Two decades after their divorce, her first husband was shot in 1970. Her fourth husband had been shot multiple times in their North Carolina home in 1986. John Newmar died in 2007 of intestinal issues which could have been caused by arsenic poisoning. North Carolina police reinvestigated and learned she tried three different times to hire a hitman in the weeks before her fourth husband's murder. They said she did it for the insurance money. Detectives in other states reopened cases but couldn't find any new evidence. Newmar was charged with solicitation and first-degree murder and released on a $300,000 bond. But the woman, known as the Black Widow Granny, Never had her day in court. Betty Newmar died of cancer in 2011 before her case came to trial. Here was a detail that the cops didn't pay much attention to, okay. but probably should have in the death of husband number four, Harold Gentry. He shot himself in the head twice. <laughs> Shootings, too. <laughs> like Zoink Scoop. <laughs> Boy. A lot of shootings. Like, if I, I know. I mean, it's not like husband number one died in a car accident, husband number two fell off a yacht, husband number three fell under a pier. Like, shooting, 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 shooting. Yeah. Arson. Yeah. Someone take her gun away. <laughs> <laughs> well, she lived in a different state with, with each husband. Yeah. So it was hard, especially pre internet. With- pre-internet yes. to sort of connect these kinds of things. The third, they're not positive here that there's multiple homicides, actually. I am. <laughs> no, she killed them all. Yeah. She killed them She's all. She's dead. Come we on. can say that, right? You can't yeah. slander the dead. Yeah. Her first husband was actually the third to die, and that was, so they hadn't been together for about 20 years, it was, but it was one of those sort of could have been street crime. Who okay. knows? All right. And they all deserved it, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. They all had it coming. <laughs> So she got twenty grand in insurance money. That doesn't seem like a lot. No, nope. she could have gotten more. Yeah, she could have. Yeah. yeah, really held out for more. I think you're just doing it because you can at that point, right? If I'm in my in my second marriage, or if I ever get married for the first time, it'll be a bedside marriage like Anna Nicole Smith, and he'll be there, <laughs> and just I'm like with that shaky hand signing that DNR. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The more we can, the more, and then hopefully the family will be nowhere. If you, if you can find one without family members, all the better. Yes. I'm just trying to picture this. Are you the one in the bed with the shaky hand, or is he? Oh, no, no, it's oh, them. Okay. They're the old ones. Operation yes. Silver Fox, I Operation got it. Operation yes. Platinum, Platinum Fox. Fox. There you Platinum go. Platinum Fox. No, they need to be 80s, v- very infirm. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> so if you are murdering someone in their late 70s, you're just impatient, right? 
Yeah. So it seems like, although arsenic, I mean, that just seems sloppy, right? See, they weren't able to draw that. They weren't able to definitively say that. Right. But it arsenic certainly was... is mean because that means you're watching them die slowly. Mm. That's, that's a gun and you're one, getting, right? That's like guns. Yeah. yeah. And you're getting and you're getting it's rat poison. Yeah. And you're you're watching them with every day or every time you give it to them, you are watching them slowly suffer. Yeah. So that's screwed up. <laughs> yeah. And but they're like, I love this almond milk you've added yes. to the coffee. <laughs> it it's, smells like almonds. Tastes of cyanide. It's like the flowers in the attic poison, right? A little like yes. sugar cookie action. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. It's hard to picture like your mother or your grandmother as a killer. Uh, have you met my mother? Oh, that's right. I, actually, <laughs> I, have. I have. My mother could do it. Yeah. If it was her if it was something with her kids, my mother would totally murder someone. Uh, but sometimes with my father, they're, they've been together a very long time, and Too she's, long. she'll say things. Yeah, she'll <laughs> say like, "Your father needs to get out of the house. She's driving me crazy. I just might just hit him in the head." <laughs> <laughs> so I am worried. Don't go on a God. yacht. Where's my turban? Yeah, where's my exactly? Turban? That's gonna do it for us. We want to thank our guest, Jake Anthony. Jake, where can our listeners follow you online? Thanks, guys. This was so much fun. You can find us in our podcast. Uh, we're reality gays. We do reality television, mostly do 90 Day Fiance, some other stuff like Love After Lockup. We also, uh, you can find us at realitygays.com, at our Instagram at realitygayspodcast, and you can find us on Twitter at realitygayspod. We're also on TikTok. Like, we're old people who just got on TikTok. Amazing. Wow, I'll have to find out what that is. <laughs> It is not the crocodile in Peter Pan, which is what I thought everyone was talking about. At Rebecca Lavoie, how can our listeners follow you? On Twitter and Instagram, at Reb Lavoie. And of course, everyone can listen to at Crime Writers On. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You also can tweet to us at Law & Order Pod. Or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Content assistance from Travis Roy, Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are the Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. Go to lawandorderpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.